When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. McDavid centers. One-timer score. Oscar Clefbaum and Edmonton strikes again in overtime. This time, it's Clefbaum. He takes the snap. He looks to the right side. He's throwing to the end zone. There it is. Touchdown, Eskimos. Duke Williams. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. You can make it two interceptions thrown by Alouette's quarterback, Johnny Manziel. It is a horrific start for the Alouettes on home turf against Hamilton. 21-0, the Tiger Cats leading five and a half minutes left in the first quarter. They scored on their opening drive. They intercepted Manziel and scored shortly after. Then they scored on a blocked punt. Officially, we can update this. Johnny Manziel's first CFL pass will count as a completion. There was a fly sweep to B.J. Cunningham on the first play. It went for negative five yards, but it did count that the ball was tossed forward just barely. Cunningham cutting through the backfield. Uh, He was dropped for a five-yard loss. So he'll have a completion for negative five on his first pass. He'll have an interception on his second pass. And uh, now another interception to go to it. It is an absolute butt-kicking so far. Five minutes left in the first quarter, 21-0 for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Of course, right here on 6.30, Chet, last night, you heard this. Riley takes the snap, drops back, looks to the left side, now looks to the right side. He's got a man wide open. Hey, it's Darrell Walker. He'll get inside the 25, inside the 20, inside the 15. A big gainer for Darrell Walker. There's the snap. Riley will turn. He'll give it to Gable. Touchdown, Eskimo. C.J. Gable takes the first pie out of the oven. Watford takes the ball. He'll turn. He'll uh, give it to Thigpen. Thigpen finds a hole, and he scores. Motion starts. Kolaris takes a drop, and he's going deep. This one's to Deron Carter, and he's got it into the end zone for a touchdown. That is how Deron Carter can change a game. Riley takes the snap, and he's going deep. He's downfield for Darrell Walker. Touchdown, Eskimos. What a catch by Darrell. Darrell Walker, Riley threw it through a small window, and Walker made the grab in double coverage, and the Eskimos take the lead. Watford gets to the line, touchdown Saskatchewan. Getting some argument from a couple of Eskimos, so like pointing to the ground, like say his knee was down. After review, the ball carrier was down short of the goal line, no touchdown. Riley takes his snap, drops back. He'll throw it to Bahar. He gets to the 35, fumbles the football. Riders jump on it. Riley again takes the drop back, and he wants to unload, and he does, looking for Kenny Stafford. Oh, what a catch by Stafford. He goes up, and he grabs it. Second and goal. Riley goes under center. 
He's going to keep it, and touchdown Eskimos. Mike Rowley's second effort gets into the end zone, and the Eskimos take the lead late. Kolaris takes the snap, and he'll take the drop. He's waiting, looking downfield. He's in trouble. He just has to dump it away, and he does so as the clock hits a zero. It's all over. 26-19. The Eskimos over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Another come-from-behind win. Third victory in a row for the Eskimos. They are 5-2 and two on the season, 26-19, the final last night on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium. Hey, thanks for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 6.30. Chet, hope your long weekend is off to a smashing start. Hamilton sure is. They have scored again. Extra point converted 28-0. Tiger Cats over the Alouettes, 335 left in the first quarter as we welcome our Eskimos analyst Blake Dermott onto the show. Blake, we should start with the game that is currently on the field. It is a nightmare for the Alouettes. Oh, oh my God, it's bad. <laughs> it is, uh, you know, <clears throat> um, so much pressure put on uh, uh, Johnny Manziel. It comes in and uh, the, the, the second pass play, as you mentioned, um, the second play, uh, they throw a zone read, uh, sorry, a zone blitz at him and, and walk a linebacker up and kind of gets hidden in the line of scrimmage and then drops off and he doesn't see it. Um, and, uh, and then the second interception is a, a, uh, he's trying to make a play, being an athlete, uh, beats uh, all kinds of uh, pressure and does a little jump shot to the running back who uh, pokes it into the air and it becomes another interception. And uh, you know, it's just one of those things. Um, and, and you and I talked last night about about him, and we, we hope that he does well. We hope that th- this works out for, for a couple of reasons, for himself and for, for the Montreal Alouettes, because uh, nobody wants to see an unstable team and, and uh, a team that is just not competitive. Um, but this isn't starting out the way we'd hoped it would. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm sure he's going to be good. And, and as you mentioned, then that second play, I mean, he, he kind of did a little jump lob to Sutton on the run, and... Sutton actually tipped it up in the air and made it easier for the Hamilton player to, to pick it off. But crazy start. Blake, you were lucky in the CFL. You played on a lot of good Eskimos teams. So there there were some years, especially, there weren't a lot of losses and there wouldn't have been a lot of blowout losses. But every pro athlete would have been through this where, uh, name the sport, you look at the scoreboard early and you think, oh, my God. I mean, I know athletes are trained and and have it they're they're just competitive by nature and and not give up and keep grinding but when it's this bad this early is that just a a sickening field if you're feeling if you're on the wrong side of it well you know and especially when you you uh, and this sort of tells me a little bit about how fragile this organization must be uh because you know there's this is this is a guy that you're hoping and anticipating that's going to give a lift for your for your organization but the minute something bad goes, uh, something goes bad, they don't have the resiliency to fight it off. And much like the Eskimos did last night, things weren't going well offensively, but they kind of, you know, kind of know that things are going to work out because they, they of who they have confidence in at quarterback position. But they don't have that confidence and that ability right now in Montreal. And they, all they have is what they are, and they've won one game, and uh, uh, and then and then to see it start this way, it's easy for them to go, oh my God, here we go again. Yeah. Well, we'll see how Manziel plays. I, I, I mean, Hamilton, twenty-eight uh, nothing. Montreal is going to have to do something miraculously, uh, miraculous to make this game interesting. But we'll, Manziel we'll, must they better have a, a really long ladder in his locker because he's got to he's got to <laughs> climb out of a deep hole right now. Well, he just made a nice little scramble play, so he's he's yeah. doing some things that are fun to watch. 
You know, speaking of having mental toughness, I, I think we saw it from both teams last night on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. A very tense game, uh, uh, obviously a very back-and-forth game with uh, lead changes, momentum swings, big plays on both sides of the ball. And, and when you look back on it, Blake, Kenny Stafford made the last big play of the game, and Saskatchewan couldn't answer with one of their own, and the Eskimos won because of that last big play. You know, I I, uh, I think that that's... that's uh been what the Eskimos are this year is that they have the ability to make that big play and I guess that could be the last couple of years but again so much is, is the confidence they have in the guy uh, who's pulling the strings and uh, and he had the worst night I believe in his professional career from a statistical standpoint from a completion percentage standpoint and yet they still won and that, that, that's got to be something that's really positive for the Eskimos because because that tells me how much better their defense seems to be playing and getting guys back and people, you know, that's, that brings that, elevates that level of confidence that we were just talking about with Montreal that they don't have, but the Eskimos do because they've got some good people coming back and they know their offense is going to make enough plays to win. So, so the, the, I think the defense is starting to play really well. And Dave Campbell pointed out a number of times last, last night that they're averaging 20 points against in a game as the defense. Not beautiful numbers or anything like that, but... But boy, if 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 you only score 20 points a game in the CFL, you're not going to win that many games. And so, if you can hold the team to 20 points, you're doing pretty good as a defense. I I had Kwaku Boateng on the show earlier this week. He didn't get a sack last night, but I really think he's coming along as as a presence on the defensive line. And you, you love sacks. Uh, but sometimes they're hard to get. Sometimes they can be a little bit random. But he seems to be getting more consistent pressure off the edge. Oh, absolutely. Watched him a little bit last night. There was a couple of times, boy, he's, he's become, um, he's one of those guys that, uh, well, first of all, you know, get him in a fifth round, that's, uh, that's a heck of a steal. Uh, but they, he's, he's one of those guys that has a really, really quick, uh, I, I, he's got a good first step, but I think his second step is even, is even quicker. And so when he comes up against those big guys, and guys that are considerably bigger than him, because Kwaku Botang is not a six foot five, two hundred eighty pound guy, but he's he and he's got to play against guys that are you know upwards of six 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 seven and and in the three hundred pounds, and he he uses his ability, especially on that second step, to be able to widen guys, to be able to open them up, to be able to get their bodies turned, and to be able to get around them. And um, yeah, it, it, from from last year where we saw flashes to this year where we're seeing consistent, he's, he's turning into a real nice. A real nice selection by the Eskimos in the draft a couple of years ago, and uh, a heck of a, a heck of a football player. Kind of reminds me an awful lot of a Leroy Blue. Oh yeah, well that'd be pretty good if he turned out like that. Eskimos analyst Blake Dermott joining us on Inside Sports. The final last night, Edmonton twenty-six, Saskatchewan nineteen. You mentioned Riley uh, didn't have a great com- completion percentage, thirteen for twenty-seven. Made some big throws when it mattered. Continues to trust his receivers. He was sacked four times, which matched the entire season total coming into that game. Blake, how many of those? Were what you might call coverage sacks, though, by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? Oh, I, I would say that uh, every time that Riley gets sacked, I mean, I've always said this about him, the type of quarterback that he is. He, he, when he's throwing the ball, a lot of times he's very close to the line of scrimmage. Like he'll drop back to his, his numbers, and then he steps up, and he'll step up again. So a lot of times he's delivering the ball from three yards or four yards from line of scrimmage when you know, he should be at seven. And uh, so he has a tendency to drift into pressure. And so I would say if there's, uh, uh, without looking at the film, at least 
two of the four, possibly three of the four sacks last night were because of coverage, and I thought there was a couple times he hung on to the ball pretty, uh, pretty long. Uh, but I believe there was one Zach Evans uh, uh, came in really cleanly and uh, was a nice sack by uh, by Evans, and uh, and that was the only one that I think that was possibly uh, a non-coverage type sack. And then on the next play, he throws the deep ball to Stafford, and that sets up the game-winning touchdown. So so they they bounce back from that. You know, again, Blake, I, I just I just found it to be a really compelling game. You know, really tense, and obviously the environment of the thousands of Ryder fans coming into your stadium adds to that and uh, the whole Jones angle, which, I, you know, for, for me, it's it's still a thing. And I, uh, later on, I'm going to read some texts on the show that I got from buddies who are Ryder fans. And please forgive me for having Saskatchewan friends, but uh, but no, just joking. We all have our crust. <laughs> but they are, Chris Jones, two years in Edmonton, now two and a half in Saskatchewan. I wouldn't be surprised if it wouldn't surprise me if he's in Saskatchewan a long time. He is he is such an interesting study, and and sometimes I'm, you know, Blake, I'm watching that game last night, and at one point I thought to myself, we talk so much about what is Chris Jones doing, and then I'm thinking to myself, why aren't we talking about why aren't the other eight coaches in the league copying Chris Jones? Because yeah. his, his teams don't always win, but they're never terrible. Uh, they're always they're always frustrating to play against. They always have a lot of energy. Now you have to have the athletes to do that. And I know I'm going to hear from Riders fans who want more passes that go more than four yards down the field. But but I mean he he's it seems like he's found an interesting template. But he's the only one using it. Well, you know that was one of the things that we talked about with uh, uh, Jason Moss uh, the day before the game, and uh, we brought up a little bit in the pregame yesterday was that. Uh, I think I think Jones has been in this league for long enough now, where he's got some cachet. Like he's 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 had been here long enough to develop that template. Plus, he's also got enough respect to be to be elevated from a defensive coordinator position to a head coach position to a general manager position. So there's a lot of people that look at what he says and believe and trust what he says. When you look at the average. You know, career length of a lot of coaches, they don't ever get, they don't stick around maybe long enough to be able to get that. And I think, I think some of the reasons why Jones is able to do some of the things, and as you said, why, why isn't anybody else doing them? Because he's, he's, he's got so much control over the type of personnel that he brings in. And, and I'm sure he's went through his template that he's, dev- uh, that he's devised and he's created. You know, he's, he's looking for, and I love this line that Odell Willis used a couple of years ago, or uh, last year, sorry, when he said that you know he was kicking the ball in the game and he was long snap, and he says, "My scholarship doesn't say defensive end; it said football player." And I think that's one of the things that uh, a lot of coaches speak that and talk that way. But Chris Jones is one of those guys that really lives and believes that. He goes out and finds guys that are football players, and then, and then you'll see players playing positions that they never played before, and and. Uh, and excelling at it because this is a guy who can look at the athleticism of somebody, look at the, the intelligence of some player, and then be able to utilize it in, in a position that, uh, that nobody thought about. Well, I know Saskatchewan doesn't have a great record, but I think they're going to get better as the season goes on, and uh, I think they're going to be a thorn in a lot of team sides here uh, as the season progresses. Blake, uh, thanks for doing this shortly after getting a- Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. The root canal, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's actually not doing that bad. <laughs> I, it, it, I was off the table at 4 o'clock, so I'm good. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Blake. Talk Thank to you, you soon. Okay. That is Blake Dermott checking in. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. It's 6.21. Montreal got a uh, field goal. Oh, and I think they just got a turnover here, too, but it's 28-3 Hamilton. It is uh, early. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. And another strong game by Sheriff last night. You can text 630-630. Perry writes in. He says, uh, hey, Reed. Uh, I love your show, but I'm sorry I do not like the Edmonton Eskimos for many reasons. The latest reason was what Darrell Walker got away with last night. After his touchdown, he was caught on camera giving a throat slash, which, if memory serves me correctly, is a major penalty, if not more. How could this possibly be missed? Uh, very disappointing. I don't imagine anyone in this city will admit to seeing it, but I'd like to put it out there. Do you have any thoughts? Uh, Perry, I rewatched parts of the game last night. I saw it. It surprised me. Uh, how could this be missed? I can't answer that. I'm not an official. I, I can only guess they didn't see it. And, uh, yes, that is a penalty. I mean, Chris Edwards got a penalty uh, was it in last year's Labor Day rematch for doing that uh, towards a member of the Calgary Stampeders. I don't know if the specific rule is that you can't do it directed at uh, somebody else, but I was surprised uh, Walker did that. I guess if you uh, hate the Eskimos, Perry, it wouldn't have changed your mind even if Walker hadn't have done that. But that's fine. Thank you for texting in. Uh, I did see it. I'm sure other people saw it too. And yes, it did surprise me. Uh, the Suster texter says, copy Chris Jones. Are you crazy? If you're going to carp- carbon copy and do everything, then why Jones? Why not Huffnagel and Calgary? Have they even lost a combined 15 games in their last six seasons, always in the Grey Cup, winning divisions, jumping out to big game leads, being 6-0, and not to mention his insane ability to find positional Canadian talent? Well, obviously, John Huffnagel has been an exceptional coach and general manager in the Canadian Football League. I, I, th- I threw that out there about Jones in, in terms of his ability to have teams that are always fast, always play excellent defense, always have great special teams, and I, I throw that out there in contrast to, uh, I, I think, a lot of approaches in the CFL where when we talk about football, we, we tend to talk about offensive skill and talent. And, and Jones, to the chagrin of some Riders fans, has somewhat, I don't, I don't want to say ignored the offense, uh, but clearly, and even, and even in Edmonton to some extent, there, there was a... Uh, very conservative approach on offense, which generally isn't common in the Canadian Football League. You only have two downs, you have a wider field, you have more motion, so a lot of teams really get after it on offense. And the way Chris Jones, now he's not the offensive coordinator, but he's had the same offensive coordinator with him ever since he's been a head coach, that's Stephen McAdoo. They've run a relatively safe offense where it seems the priority is don't turn the ball over. If we happen to get a drive and get points, that's great, but we want the offense to keep the ball, keep the ball, and then maybe we wait for the other team to make a mistake. Maybe they turn it over to us. Maybe they blow a coverage. Maybe they make a mistake on special teams, and uh, and we jump on it. So 
it's it's that approach that makes me say he kind of has his own template. Now you have to have the players to do it, and he's got he's had the players to do it. The defensive players in Edmonton, you know, he had Grimes in coverage, he had Dexter McCoyle. Uh, you know, and now he's got the Duran Carters of the world and, uh, you know, Jefferson on defense and guys like that. So that, that, that's why I throw that out there. Clearly no disrespect to John Huffnagel, who's an absolute great. And, I mean, you're right, Calgary hardly ever loses. They just happen to have lost the wrong game at the wrong time the last two years. Uh, Marf is texting in. He says, I think Chris Jones is a good coach. He needs to start stringing some wins together, or I think he'll be coaching Montreal before he knows it. Some of my Ryder fan buddies are already calling for his head. And Oil 10 says the uh, Eskimos, especially the defense, have been quite fortunate in their five wins this year. Winnipeg by three. That was Strevler's first start ever. BC Jennings was terrible. Now he's given away to Lule. Toronto... Uh, beat Franklin by one. Uh, Montreal Adams is uh, a fourth-string quarterback now that Manziel's there. Saskatchewan by seven. Kalaros returns after missing five weeks. Uh, Mike Riley in seven games has played every down. Shows the importance of a healthy all-star quarterback. That's from Oil 10. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Just talking about John Huffnagel there before the break. Ever since he uh, took over the Stampeders as uh, as coach in 2008, and obviously he remains on as uh, general manager, the Stampeders, I uh, just quickly did this, I hope my math is right, are 136, 47, and 3. So with Huffnagel in charge of the franchise, uh, they have won 136 out of 186 regular season games. That's 73%. And uh, obviously, over the last two-plus years with Dickinson as coach, they're 34-6-2. Pretty remarkable. Uh, But again, the blemish couldn't win those close Grey Cups against Toronto and Ottawa. They're clearly the favorite this year. Another touchdown for Hamilton, 643 left in the second quarter. Point after still to come. It is 34-3. Hamilton absolutely crushing Montreal tonight. The numbers for Johnny Manziel so far, 6 for 10 for 27 yards and 3 interceptions. Three interceptions already for Manziel. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Ched. Our next Eskimos broadcast will be Thursday from Vancouver. They visit the Lions, who play the Stamps tomorrow. Six o'clock countdown to kickoff, and that game will start at eight. In Edmonton, while the uh, Esks are on the road, we'll have the Holinka gretzky Cup, also games in Red Deer. Canada's going to start it at Rogers Place on Monday against Switzerland, and the executive director of the tournament is Al Coates. Al, thanks for making time for us tonight. How are you doing? Oh, terrific, Reed. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing great. Uh, I'll, I'll throw you this one off the top, even though it's it's not hockey related. But uh, yeah. uh, John Huffnagel has uh, become synonymous with uh, with Calgary and with success in Calgary. Though I mentioned uh, just the stumbles right at the finish line the last two years. Well, for sure, they've they've uh, done a remarkable job there, and it's uh, actually. A- I just happened to. Run, I know John Huffnagel. Fortunately for me, because he's a wonderful person, and I just happened to run into Dave Dickinson two or three, maybe yeah, three weeks ago or whatever, and and he's still uh, trying to figure out how that one got away from him in the Great Cup last year. So, you know, unfortunately for them, uh, and a lot of uh, pro sports teams go through this. Is 
you, you you know, it's what you do on your last game, you know, the last goal, the last win, and Stanley Cup playoffs in their, in their particular case. Um, I don't think anybody's going to be happy in Stampederland unless they're able to win the Great Cup. i, I got to ask this one. Uh, you know, I, I don't cover the, the CFL firsthand. we got a couple of guys that do this, but I know... Uh, uh, you know, everybody speaks very highly of, of Huffnagel. What is it about his personality or his or his drive or his organization skills or whatever you want to call it that just that just keeps him keeps him successful and keeps the people around him successful? Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know him that well to be able to answer that question. I, as an observer and the little bit that I do know him, I think he's got a plan. I don't think he's. I don't think he rests on his laurels. They're it's always, I mean, the CFL is always a bit of a revolving door, and, and if you're not careful, I think you can get, uh, you know, get caught, you know, kind of resting on your laurels or look what we did last year type of thing. I, I've never seen that from him where, irrespective of whether you're winning at all or not, that last year meant that you were complacent going into the next year. So I always think he's got a plan, and... and uh, not afraid to make uh, changes, significant changes, quite frankly, to a already good roster. And for the most part, it's uh, it's 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 been very successful for him. Absolutely. Al Coates joining us. He's the executive director of the Holinka Gretzky Cup, facing off in Red Deer in Edmonton coming up on uh, Monday, runs through the, gold, through the gold medal game next Saturday at Rogers Place. All right, Al. Uh, Hockey Canada event, uh, IIHF event. Uh, this this one's a big one that is coming to Canadian soil. Going to be here in Edmonton. Just tell us a little bit. Uh, give, us, give us the cold notes of bringing this tournament to Canada, to Edmonton, uh, the significance of that, and maybe some of the, some of the ins and outs of making that happen. Uh, well, first of all, it's um, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of relation to the double IHF, but uh, actually, it's not a double IHF event. Some a lot, a lot of the rules and stuff will be the same, but the, this this event came place with uh, Hockey Canada actually uh, making a, 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 an understanding with uh, Czech Republic. Uh, Hockey Federation, the Slovakian Federation, on bringing the event over to Canada on an alternating basis. So uh, this week here, uh, 2019 back over there, and 2020 back here, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a right now there's a, a commitment for 18, 20, and 22 to have the event in Edmonton and and in Red Deer. And after that, uh, this is an event actually that just has to grow. I mean, I know that Bob Nicholson has said a number of times, the World Juniors started this way back in 95, where it was, you know, it was essentially a bit of an unknown event. But this this particular event has always been over there. It has never been in Canada since 1996. So you're dealing with something, and we're dealing with something, and there's a little bit of unknown hockey in August. However, i got to tell you that this is, this is an event, this is the only best-on-best best hockey event now, currently in the world, with NHL players not participating in the Olympics, at least not right now. And, and in most cases, there's always four or five of the very best juniors that would be playing on a world junior team. They're already in the National Hockey League. But this, this event is, is the best of the best from these eight hockey nations. And I'll just give you a little case in point, like this past June in, in the draft in Dallas, there was 19 players out of the 31 taken in the first round of the draft that played in this same tournament last year. 
and, and there was 18 out of the 22 players that played for Canada that were drafted somewhere in the seven rounds of the draft. So, And just one other little tidbit for you, there will be 300 NHL scouts here to watch this. So I think it tells you the importance of this event to the National Hockey League and the Crosbys and the Ovechkins and the Stamkoses of the world. They all played in this. So that's that's what the event is all about. If if you want to put your scouting hat on just for a second, and you know how people always say, well, had it been me, I, I would have taken so-and-so. Well, you know, the perfect opportunity to show how good a scout you really are, you know, to come out and watch these games and just figure out who's going to go first overall next year or in the top two or three or ten or whatever it is in the draft. Well, that's well, what it's all about. Yeah, well said for sure. There's going to be some great talent on the ice. Also going on with this is uh, the Center Ice Summit, where, I mean, McClellan's going to be here, Shirelli's going to be here, big names from around the hockey world. Uh, Give me, where was the seed for this planted, and and how does this sort of help round out the whole week as a a hockey experience on and off the ice? Uh, The seed for this, I think, really is is OEG, and, uh, and of course, Bob Nicholson having a whole lot to do with this. Uh, the staff has been remarkable here that we've had a chance to work with. But you're you're talking about the Double IHF being here. You're talking about the Western Hockey League being here. There's rules committees. There's et cetera, et cetera. National Hockey League people are here. So there's receptions. There's summits. There's meetings. There's coaching clinics, et cetera, et cetera, all going on. So that the the intention is there will there there will be the who's who of hockey here for a whole week next week. And the intention is a festival type of occasion once every two years uh, at least. And, and I think deep down inside, let's make whatever it takes to make the game better, let's try and make the game better. And if we can get all the best minds of the sport, of this particular case, hockey, in one place at one time, in one room at one time, normally that's exactly what happens. In fact, they are going to experiment with a couple of different rules here in, the, in this tournament. They'll be monitored by NHL, the NHL officiating department just to see whether, again, down the road, that's something that they may want to implement in both the IIHF and in the National Hockey League playing rules. So it's, um, it's a big week. It's a big week. Um, I think everybody, like I said, everybody's a who's who in, in hockey from all over the places in one place at one time. Al Coates joining us on Inside Sports. He's the executive director of the Holinka Gretzky Cup, which will start on Monday in Edmonton and Red Deer, the Edmonton games, uh, all the Canada games in Edmonton, and all of them at Rogers Place. Al, what's the, I mean, I, I, I know you mentioned the, the caliber of the tournament, uh, so I know I know that's been stressed, but what's the, the biggest obstacle to marketing August hockey like is it just is it just the position on the calendar in a place where it's in a country where it's cold most of the year or how do you look at that angle yeah, well I, I think that I think the biggest thing and it's really in the last week or 10 days or two or three weeks we, re, we really started to see a big pickup here in interest and I, I think our job has been to try to actually educate people and that continues and this tournament will do that for the future, educate people on the caliber of, of this term. It's brand new. It, it's something that they're not used to. Like you said, it's either been in Slovakia or the Czech Republic for the last 20-some years in a row, and all these same scouts had to go over there. So I, I think it's been a little bit of an education process. Naturally, if you've got a, if you got a 90-degree day in the summertime, and we don't get too many of those in November, December, and January here in Alberta, that people may want to take advantage of 
of, of a beautiful day. But I, I think once once they get a taste of it and they see what's going on here, it, it's going to sell itself. I mean, we all know we all know the the love for the game of uh, Albertans and Canadians in general. Uh, TSN is, uh, is is picking up the game. It's going to televise all the games here out of uh, out of uh, Rogers Place. So there again, another strong indication. They're they're a great partner of Hockey Canada, and, and they. You know they've had a lot to do with building the World Junior uh, game and and what the World Juniors has been come, become to Canada, and I think you know down the road we're going to look into the same kind of a thing here. So we got to start it. Um, I think we're going to be very successful. I, th- I think by the end of next week we will have uh, brought a whole uh, lot of people uh, under the roof here and uh, and see some. Incredible, incredible uh, caliber of hockey, and and uh, if I might say, the the future future stars or the next generation of players for the National Hockey League. Al Coach joining us. Al, I got to throw one more topic at you. We we started with a bit of a, a Calgary centric topic. I'm I'm going to close with one. Were were you not? I'm really testing my memory banks here, so I apologize. But were, were you not a relatively new general manager of the Calgary Flames and traded for Jerome McGinley? Well, if you call the uh, interim general manager at that particular moment a relatively new, uh, <laughs> that was the, yeah, that was me. I, I was actually the first uh, full-time employee hired by the Calgary Flames when the team moved from Atlanta to Calgary, but I came from the Red Wings. Right. And and so Cliff Fletcher was the president and general manager. He left in 91. I I took over as the interim general manager in 95, in the fall of 95, and and a lot of the rest is history because, um, you know, Joe Noondike, who I consider to be a friend of mine and was a great player in his own right, saw greener pastures and it was one of those deals quite frankly that was a really good deal for uh calgary uh we all know what jerome did for 16 years in calgary and 20 overall in the nhl and joe and joe noondike helped dallas stars win the stanley cup so you know it's um it was a it was a hockey deal it turned out to be a really really good deal for for both and and uh, i watched uh in fact I was, I was in attendance on monday when he announced his retirement, fittingly that I was in Calgary, good on the Calgary Flames organization for hosting it, and, and great for Jerome to come back and participate in it. But he's such a classy guy, and uh, he just stood up, and he, uh, he, as he always does, he was nervous, I know, but he said all the right things to all the right people, and, and he closed the book uh, on a fabulous, uh, in all likelihood, Hall of Fame career. Yeah, I, I can remember when that uh, that trade was made and uh, given up Newendike, but I know most people were saying, no, no, this again, the kid's going to be pretty good. I think pretty good would be an understatement. I can, re- I can remember when it was made, too, because there was uh, there was people that weren't very happy with me. I can tell you that. I can tell you that. And all I can, could do at the time was saying, you you just got to bear with us here, and, and hopefully we've made a, made a really good uh, decision here for the organization in the long run. Yeah. Al, you're a, you're a pleasure to talk to. Thanks for touching on the Holinka Gretzky Cup and some other topics uh, that, I, that I threw at you out of the blue, so I appreciate you rolling with that. All the best next week. I'm sure I'll see you around. Th- thank you very much. Just uh, good questions for me, so they're easy answers. Right on. See you, Al.
All right. Thanks. Thanks very much. Bye for now. Bye. Al Coates checking in. He is the executive director of the Holinka Gretzky Cup. And uh, as we mentioned, starts Monday, Edmonton and Red Deer, holinkagretzky.com. Pretty easy website to go to if you're still looking for tickets or want to check out the schedule. All the Canadian games will be at Rogers Place here in Edmonton. Uh, Johnny Manziel has thrown another interception, his fourth of the game. He's 9 for 15 for 90 yards with four interceptions. It is a route for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They're up 35-3 late in the second quarter. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Well, Riley toughing it out last night. The Eskimos surviving 26-19 over the Riders. The penalty story, quite a bit better for the Eskimos. 7 for 59 yards. Saskatchewan, 8 for 82. You talk a little bit about mistakes and details that can decide games. Remember the Eskimos got that touchdown to go up by four and they lined up for a two-point convert and the Riders didn't have the right personnel on the field and they had to take a timeout. And that could have saved them 20 seconds if they could have called that timeout later, maybe when the Eskimos were killing some clock there in the drive that led to the field goal or uh, on one of their drives late in the game. So uh, the little detail, but the Riders could have had an extra 15 to 20 seconds late in the game if they hadn't burned that timeout. I know there was a caller to Dave Campbell on the points after show last night. I think it was actually this morning, might have been after midnight, questioning why the Eskimos went for the two-point convert up four. Have to do it in that situation have to do it in that situation you uh, you kick the extra point you're up by five you miss a two-point convert you're up by four either way an unconverted touchdown beats you and with in that part of the game you're you're not going to have much time yourself to drive the ball back you go for two you make it you're up six if saskatchewan gets a touchdown they have to make the convert to beat you now you know, it's still a pretty high percentage from the 32, but it's it's not automatic like it used to be for the 12. With that much time left, you absolutely have to go for two. More time left on the clock, you know, okay, maybe even earlier in the fourth quarter, you know, if, if fair enough, you, you might take the one because you're going to get the ball back. But there's with, you know, two and a half minutes left, there's no guarantee you're going to get the ball back or get it back with the amount of time to do very much. So you have to go for two to at least try to make it six and uh, give the Eskimos or uh, give the riders a little more pressure to, uh, to make the convert. Uh, this texture says, I think the Montreal Alouette should start a line brawl. <laughs> well, could happen. Yakushev says, 300 NHL scouts at the Holinka Gretzky Cup. How do I get a token job like that? That's almost as underachieving as our senators who come into work for a nap. I think he means the political senators, not the Ottawa senators. Haven't heard from Yakushev for a while. Where has he been? Hope he's doing well. He's very funny. Uh, Kevin says, I'm probably reading too much into it. I did enjoy the game last night. I know Jason Moss is a passionate coach, but he's got to stop his antics on the sidelines. He's becoming an embarrassment to the football club. The uh, attempted water cooler body slam uh, was, a, was a little surprising. Uh, I, uh, look, I, I realize why Jason gets criticized. The, the, only, the, the only thing that I really thought was excessive last year was, was the headset throw 
in the Labor Day rematch. And then when you have the Eskimos taking undisciplined penalties in the second half of that game, you draw a connection, whether it's fair or not. Uh, I was a little surprised with the uh, attempted water cooler throw last night. But I, I don't think Jason's going to change. I, I think we've seen that as his personality as, as a player and now as a head coach. Hole in one today at the Oil Country Championship. You will meet the man who drained it. Coming up. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.